So, if you've got a Bible, uh, you might want to start turning to Isaiah 61. Uh, for those of you who've been part of Isaiah 61, remember that? Uh, for those of you who've been part of um, uh, God's story here in Jubilee over the last 20 years, uh, this will be a very familiar passage to you, Isaiah 61. My name's Raj, by the way. I'm one of the elders along with Simon, Gavin, uh, and uh, Sarush. So... If you're a visitor here this morning, you are also welcome. The other good, amazing piece of news is that we won the football again. Yeah, Jubilee Church and some of, our, some, of our, some of the team are here today, so you're very welcome. Um, I remember first walking into Jubilee uh, in 1999. Uh, we were at the university then as someone who was miles away, a bit like Sarah, um, from any sort of Christian faith, when we were about probably about 30 people, thinking, you know, as I walked in, surprised, shocked really, wow, there's life here. And that was after meeting this guy. God is good. Um, Paul Winston. So, we are nearly 20 years old. No, no, you haven't got your hearing aids in. I think, don't think you've got your hearing aids in. I said, we are nearly 20 years old. But not yet. Um, God has been faithful. It's amazing really now for two whole decades. Can you believe it? So as we approach our party celebration on the 20th of October, we wanted to kind of fit in a short sermon series, if you like, that unpacked, as Sarush said, what we're about. And so we are going to be looking at this very dear passage to us, Isaiah 61, uh, a passage describing something that happened. It's a historical event, actually, describing something that happened every 50 years. I'm a bit croaky, sorry, I've got a sore throat. Um, in, Jewish oh, um, in Jewish tradition, called the year of Jubilee. That's what Isaiah 61 is about. And what it means for us today, if you like, going forward, that's what our next sermon series is about. So what was Jubilee? Why are we called Jubilee? It's pretty radical, really, because historically that year, that Jubilee year, was a special year that God's people would set all their servants free. They would cancel all the debts that were owed to them. They would give back all the land and, uh, that they had acquired through different reasons, poor crops, poor judgment, poor fortune. Whatever the reason, it would be a great time for everybody of rejoicing, generosity, forgiveness, celebration, and unity. Can you imagine it? They would have been like over the moon. And then, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, uh, approximately almost 600 years later, um, um, in Jesus' first speech, his first speech as he kicks off his ministry, he booms out these very same words, saying basically, this Isaiah 61 is my kingdom manifesto. This is what I'm about, what God's about. Being, and, and actually, it's about what we're about being Jesus in the world, 20 years on. Um, I just want to have a little survey, if you can uh, stand. If you were here 20 years ago, can you stand? Wow. If you, if you were here 15 years ago, keep standing. If you were here 15 years ago, will you stand? If you were here 10 years ago, 
Will you stand? How about five years ago? And how about a year ago? Within the last year. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I just want to say to all of you, as you're standing, thank you that you've been faithful over 20 years, one year, 15 years. You can sit down. Five years. Thank you that you've served. Thank you that you've been generous. Thank you that you've been there, often for us. Uh, thank you that you have shown God's love everywhere. So a big thank you. Right, let's read Isaiah 61. I'm going to deliberately read it from the voice uh, paraphrase uh, the Bible. Sometimes it's good to hear things slightly differently because so, we can get these things can become a bit familiar. It says this, Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord, the Eternal One, is on me. The Lord has appointed me for a special purpose. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to repair the broken hearts and to declare to those who are held captive and bound in prison, be free from your imprisonment. He has sent me to announce the year of Jubilee, the season of God's, uh, the eternal's favor. For our enemies, it will be a day of God's wrath, but for those who mourn, it will be a time of comfort. As for those who grieve over Zion, God has sent me to give them a beautiful crown in exchange for ashes. To anoint them with gladness instead of sorrow. To wrap them in victory, joy and praise instead of depression and sadness. We've just heard a testimony about that. People will call them magnificent, like great towering trees standing for what is right. They stand to the glory of the eternal God who planted them. And they will rebuild this place. It's a promise from its ancient ruins. They will restore the ages-old, once-splendid structures. They will renew Israel's ruined cities from the ashes and debris that laid untouched for many generations. And people will come from all over to serve you. Outsiders will tend your flocks, plow your fields and prune your vines. You will be known as the ones specially chosen by the eternal God as priests. People will speak of you as ministers of our God. And the wealth of nations will come to you for your delight and enrichment. Many called you disgraced and defiled and said that shame should be on your share of things. Yet you suffered doubly and lived in disgrace. So therefore double will be your share and with joy everlasting. The eternal God says, for I, the eternal one, love justice. I hate stealing and all manner of wrongdoing. In faithfulness to those who do justice, I promise they will be rewarded for their work and I will establish an everlasting covenant with them. Furthermore, I will promise them my support for their children so that all nations and everyone around will see that they are the children blessed by the eternal God. I am filled with joy and my soul vibrates with exuberant hope because of the eternal, my God, for he has dressed me with the garment of salvation, wrapped me with the robe of righteousness. It's as though I'm dressed for my wedding day. It's the very, in the very best, a bridegroom's, a bridegroom's garland and a bride's jewels. The whole earth sprouts newness and life in the springtime. And green shoots 
break through the well-seeded garden soil. That's what it's like with the eternal God's victory. The Lord will cause justice and praise to sprout up before all the nations, for all peoples to see. It's good to hear the whole of Isaiah 61. Thank you, Lord, for those promises. Thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. Thank you, Lord, that this is your manifesto that you used at the start of your ministry. And it's a privilege, Lord God, that we walk in the same footsteps, that we tread this same ground. This adventure that you set in place many, many years ago is the same adventure that we walk through even today, seeing the blind set free, seeing the poor uplifted, and all those other things, Lord. So we ask as we unpack this over, over uh, uh, the next few weeks, as we come to our 20th birthday, that you will be, continue to be faithful and true to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the next few weeks, as we approach our 20th birthday party and gift day celebration, that's the 20th of October, we're going to be looking at this passage and almost taking each week from a different people group perspective. That's how we felt we're going to do that this, this year, this, this time. You see, this prophetic passage, if you like, talks about real people and people groups, people who God rescues to rescue the world. People who God transforms, changes to transform and change the places and people who he puts them back in the midst of. That's what I love about our God. The poor, the brokenhearted, the prisoner, the nations, the priests, the builder. God works through all of these people. And that's a phenomenal thing, really. But after saying all that, this week is a little bit different because it's not about those people groups. Not so much, not so much about strategy and plans, but about God. If you've noticed, the first character as we kicked off reading uh, Isaiah 61, I don't know if you've noticed, is God, isn't it? The Spirit of the Lord, the Eternal One, the Sovereign One, is on me. God is central as Lily um, prophesied at our uh, devoted group just, just the other Tuesday. God has taken center stage. He's the main character, as Chris boomed out this morning. Uh, um, um, that the I am what he says I am. He is the one who is the truth. And so, to get this passage fully, if you like, we need to unpack first and foremost. We need to start this 20th birthday countdown with God. That's what we're going to do briefly this morning. Um, and particularly looking at how our God is unlike any other God. That's, a, that's, a, that, that, that's really important to grasp. We can live in a world where everything's all the same and all paths lead to... But actually, our God is a very different God. That in it, and, and one of the big ways that I want to unpack this morning, really to get a feel of the wonder of our God, is, the, is that in essence, He is Trinity. That's one of the big doctrines of God. It's something that we... Uh, um, uh, that we don't actually unpack really regularly that, that often, actually. And the reason why, probably, is because it's hard. But if we get a glimpse of what Trinity is all about, what our triune God is all about, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, it's dynamite. So what's Trinity? What do we mean by a, tri tri uh, a triune God? Tri meaning three. 
Grudem, um, Grudem's definition, he's a Bible scholar, he says, God eternally exists as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and each person is fully God, and yet he is one God. God is not more fundamentally one than he is three, and not fun- more fundamentally three than he is one. Got it? Of course you haven't. Neither have I. In fact, the Bible teacher, uh, C.J. Mahaney, uh, talking about difficult questions his kids ask him about the Bible, says, there is one question more difficult to answer than the one about the Trinity, and that, and that is, Daddy, what's a concubine? J.I. <laughs> Packer says, the historic doctrine of the Trinity, three persons, one God, confronts us with perhaps the most difficult thought that the human mind has ever been asked to handle. So, let's do exactly that. I hope you've had your three Weetabix. Three headings. Firstly, so firstly, our triune God is shockingly beautiful. I missed the L-Y. He is. He's shockingly beautiful. When Jesus read out this Isaiah 61 scroll in uh, Luke 4, he was describing a triune God. He was saying that God the Holy Spirit is on me, uh, on me, Jesus, Son of God, because he, God the Father, has anointed his Son, Jesus, to demonstrate what the kingdom of God looks like and to bring all of us along on this journey. That would have been shocking and probably quite offensive uh, to Jesus' hearers at the time. Still is. Probably the most famous passage uh, on Trinity in G- is Jesus' baptism at the start of his ministry. Again, as soon as it says in Mark 3, as soon as Jesus was baptized, dunked in water, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove on his son and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven, God the Father's voice said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What are you thinking when you hear that? It's a very familiar story, isn't it? Oh, what a beautiful, fluffy, woofy, coochie-coochie-woo little white dove with beautiful little flapping its wings, gently landing on Jesus' head. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Let me tell you something. If that's what you're thinking, stop it. This was shocking. People died for saying that. You see, many of us describing God, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, isn't that unusual, is it? It's there in all the Gospels, we're used to it. But in Orthodox Judaism, at the time, there was only one other place where the Spirit of God was ever likened to a dove. And that was in the old Aramaic Bible, the Targums, right at the very beginning, describing the creation of the world. And it read something like this, and the earth was without form and empty, And darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God fluttered above the face of the waters like a dove. And God spoke, let there be light. When there was no sky, no earth, no sea, no Brexit, and definitely no you and me, way before anything at all, there was God. But not just any old God. There was a triune God. Three persons, 
God the Father who spoke, God the Holy Spirit who flutters like a dove, and God's spoken word, His very Son, let there be light. A three-person, one God, right there. The God that these Jewish people worshipped. And although we don't get this at first, what Mark is radically doing here in this account of of Jesus' baptism is he's taking us way, way back to the start of, of creation and saying just like the beginning of the world was the project of a triune God, um, um, one, uh, one God but three persons, that same God, Yahweh, just like that, now that same triune God, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son, who, by the way, people, is Jesus, everyone, ta-da, as he comes out of the water, this is the same God. Jesus is your triune God. Boom! Mark's declaring very dangerously that the same God who you've been worshipping for centuries is the same God now. Triune God. Come in person as Jesus. And all his, in all his triune beauty and majesty. Shocking. Shocking. But beautiful too. When the early Greek church were grappling with this mind-bending biblical truth, um, the complexities of the Trinity, they coined a very helpful term to describe it, and it was the word perichoresis, perichoresis, from which years later we get our word choreographer, designing a dance. Um, and, and the early church used this um, term perichoresis to, to describe the beauty and relevance of our triune God, Father, Spirit, Son, as a beautiful dance of love and joy. If we, if we were to draw this on a flip chart, and we're not drawing God, by the way, we're, we're trying to highlight something. If we were to draw this on a flip chart, it would be something like this. You would have God the Father here, God the Son there, um, and, 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 and God the Spirit, three persons, one God. And in our picture, each one would be orbiting um, around the other, centering around the other. All attention and focus would be on the other members, each one sacrificing their interests to make the other happy, to bring joy, to honor the other. Perichoresis, a kind of dance. Another writer and Bible teacher, Bible teacher Cornelius Plantignus put it like this. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit glorify each other. What does glorify mean? It means to adore, to delight, to serve, to give yourself to to each other. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they glorify each other. At the center of the universe, self-giving love is the dynamic currency of the Trinitarian life of God. The persons within God exalt, commune uh, with, defer to one another. When early early Greek Christians spoke of perichoresis in God, they meant that each divine person harbors the other at the center of his being. In constant movement of overture and acceptance, each person envelops and encircles the other. It's a little bit complicated, that, but do you get the excitement and thrill of this triune God. No one would have dared to describe, get this, in Jesus' time, no one would have dared to describe 
God in this way. Even today, no one in many countries would often dare to describe this triune God as so shockingly beautiful. Secondly, his glory is to be shared. His glory is to be shared. C.S. Lewis, the writer of the Narnia book, says this, what does it all matter, all this talk about Trinity? And C.S. Lewis answers, it matters more than anything else in the world. The whole dance or drama or, or pattern of this three personal life is to be played out in each and every one of us, you. Each one of us has got to enter that pattern, take his place in that dance. There is no other way to happiness for, for the, uh, to the, there is no other way to the happiness for which we were made. They are the great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. That's the point. That's why it matters. We were created to be part of his ultimate triune glorious dance. Anything else is deficient. Are you thinking my life is not meant to be, is not what I think it should be, or is there something missing? That's why. That's what we talk about on Alpha. Quickly, let me give you three implications of joining this Trinitarian thrilling dance of God. Firstly, community. If self-giving love to others is at the heart of our Creator God, then we who were created in His image were built for the same. We were built for this community that is God. You see, the very opposite of perichoresis is self-centeredness. Self-righteousness, pride, me, 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 where people remain stationary, unwilling to move, static. I'm not going there. Too fearful, vulnerable, or just, proud, just too proud to orbit around others. I'm better than that. Motionless, no dance. That's what the Bible calls sin, a life not centered around others, giving towards others and God. Community jubilee is where God resides, where love is given and received and experienced. It's beautiful. I love how in our Southside community group alone, we have English speakers, uh, Arabic speakers, Farsi speakers. We have South Africans, we have Afghanis, we have Iranians, we even have an Indian, sort of. This glorious diversity every week gives me a bigger picture of who our God is. If you're not part of our exciting, devoted community structure, our twice-a-month community groups in people's homes, more intimate setting, our once-a-month larger gathering of community groups together as devoted meetings, our once-a-month church-together prayer meetings happening on the 18th of September in uh, uh, Rosebrook this time, uh, um, all uh, our, our weekly Sunday gatherings like this, you're missing out. This is the devoted community structure that God has called us into. You might think it's a little bit confusing. Maybe it is. But that's because it's not static. It's not still. It's a dance. If you're not part of it, join in. Secondly, service. What does it matter? Service. When you look at glimpses of the inner life of the Trinity, our God, each one is always perpetually looking to the other's best interest. Rather than demanding glory from one another, they are giving glory to each other. 
The way up seems to be down. Humility and serving, uh, serving the other seems to be the norm. When the disciples were arguing, who's the greatest? Who out of all of them is most worthy of being orbited around? That's what they were saying. Or asking Jesus, this triune God himself gets down on the floor and washes their stinky feet. Startling. Jesus says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's a big call, isn't it? Serving seems to magnify the glory of this triune God in our lives. If you're thinking how I can be part of what God is doing here or through this church, speak to us. Speak to your community group leader. We want everyone to serve. Love you do. What does it matter? Thirdly, mission. Mission. Have you ever wondered why God says, worship me? Does he have an insecurity problem? No. There's only one reason for God to call us to worship him when you realize that already, the already perfect happiness of God, it's to bring others in, you in, me in. Look at Jesus' great commission, Matthew 28:19. Go, and actually the Greek word uh, for go, porianthetes, actually translates as keep going on and on together, all of you. Not just go. It's a together activity. We are in this together. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in what? The name. Not the names. The name, one God, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Trinity, again, pops out from behind the tree. Jesus is saying, keep going on and on uh, together, Jubilee, all of you, into all of the world. Break down the divides of nations and cultures and differences and prejudices and baptize them, dunk them, submerge them into my name, the very being of me, God, in all my oneness, threeness, togetherness, happiness, glory, beauty, diversity, joy, he says, go. Together. In our 20th year, we're not changing direction, just in case you were wondering. As we approach our gift day on the 20th of October, there are particular areas of mission where we feel we want to put our emphasis on um, because, because we're seeing God breathing life into these places. We want to follow God, not just do our own thing. Those four areas that we're particularly seeing life uh, in the church and through the church is in the area, is in the whole um, gospel to the nations. It was great to have Michael come over these last few weeks sharing his heart, sharing his breakthroughs and challenges. Over the last couple of years, we've given generously, you've given generously to support him in lots of ways, forming an apostolic structure in Ghana, very helpful to him and the churches he oversees, linking him to our Christ-central family he belongs, facilitating a gathering of um, nearly 15 churches he oversees at a New Frontiers conference in Ghana, just gone in August, uh, supporting his radio ministry, reaching thousands across West Africa. God, do you believe God is on the move? 
We are seeing growth and strengthening and new life being birthed in some of the most rural and poor villages in Africa. The gospel is much bigger than Teesside. Prior to our involvement, I'm not saying it's all about us, but prior to our involvement, very little was going on. There was a real stagnation. Shoots are now growing into big plants. It's thrilling to watch. Also in Turkey, with Michael and Heike, Jill and Andy Ball, others supporting their apostolic work in the Mus- into the Muslim world. They're actually in the thick of it. Church planting, bit of persecution, conversions, baptism, battling oppression, nurturing the poor. It was great to have Michael, jo- Mikhail join us. Um, Michael, Mikhail, confusing, I know. Join us in March uh, at our house. Um, really unpacking as he talked, as we talked and prayed together about our ongoing support there, particularly through the skills of Marvash and Sarush and the gifting they have. Um, They speak and pray with them regularly. We need to keep praying for that church and that church's influence across the, the gateway to the Muslim world. God is breaking out in the nations. God is breaking out at our Sunday night church evenings. That's what we've been uh, fashionably calling them recently, or I have. With our new vibrant Alpha sessions on Sunday nights, the Alpha follow-on course, Life Plus sessions, Freedom in Christ coming shortly, through the printmaking course, uh, as this year, also as this year, as we invite your friends to be part of our Christmas service and other things in the future, we want to introduce more and more people to the church, to Jesus, to his beauty, to his love. Make friends, try Alpha is our reaching out motto, isn't it? Releasing capacity through Gavin's employment more recently has really brought momentum to this. We don't quite have the money to fully pay him for the next few years, but we're trusting God for that. More and more, we want to connect what we are doing elsewhere back into our Sunday nights too. Through, um, through our Jubilee football team, which is brilliant, through our Open Door, through the Hope Foundation, through Sparklers, through our community group activity, through Ignite and Roots, our youth uh, work, through reaching out events, through our Sundays. We want to keep growing the connections into Alpha, into Life Plus, into Sunday night. And as Sarah just said, this community, this family of love called the church, God is breaking out in the nations. God is breaking out uh, in our Sunday night church strategy. God is breaking out in our leadership as well. In all we do, leadership is key. Staff members and volunteers. It's been great to see new teams and individuals gradually make their way into different areas of the church. As we've expanded our alpha serving teams, our youth teams, open door, pastoral teams, admin teams, worship teams, kid teams, all sorts of things. That's just naming a few. Over the last few years, we've also um, encouraged or sent people to the School of Leadership, that two-year development course in Sheffield. Andy, Keith, Angela, Abbas, Matthew, Sarush, Luke, they've loved it and they've grown through it. This year we're enrolling Gavin onto that two-year program. Also, over the next year, we've invited about 15 individuals, I didn't count them this morning, it's a guess, to come on a year's journey with us to explore what godly leadership is about in Jubilee. 
We want to disciple our next generation of faith-filled mover shakers. Also, we continue to gather our wider leadership teams regularly through the year to pray and hear God, to envision and strengthen, to build deeper friendships and nurturing. Leadership is important in God's church. God is breaking out in the nations. God is breaking out in our Sunday night strategy. God is breaking out in leadership. For God is breaking out through our young people. We're really seeing that. Not our next generation, but our now generation. It was good to have some of our young people contribute. I really felt kind of, Abigail has that gift of prophecy. And slowly, slowly, Matthew, Mim, others, it was great to see her at a devoted, really unpacking that gift and declaring what God's saying. That's a seed that we as a church need to water in her and in others. New Day was a real success again. It's a spark that lights the fire. I believe this is going to be a season where friends will bring friends, where family, families will be impacted with the gospel through their kids, where church plants will one day be birthed through what happens in, this very inform, in these very informative and shaping years, where our, our Isaiah 61 vision will play out through these younger guys. Did you see Caleb on a Facebook post recently in Malawi? He came through some of our kids' work before, they planted, before we planted them out into hell. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. This is a missional must for us. Jubilee, this all requires faith, and part of that faith is generosity, your generosity, my generosity. And we have really moved, as, as we've really moved into our 2018-2019 year budget, we are looking to God to provide, hear this, an extra 40k to keep all this happening. Do you know what? That's a lot of money. But we don't want to stop what God is doing. Therefore, I believe God is calling us to even greater faith and generosity and grace and to continue this roller coaster journey with God. That's what I'm praying for. Pray about your contribution. Jubilee, our triune God is shockingly beautiful. Jubilee, our triune God wants to share his life-giving glory uh, through community service and mission and generosity. Finally, our triune God is sacrificial. He loves us. He moved first. How on earth could he welcome us in with all our shortfalls, rebellion, disobedience, naughtiness, as uh, uh, Sarah put it, uh, scars, pride, sin. How could God let us in on this beautiful dance? Staggering to even think about it, really. But Roman 5 tells us God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, we sang it this morning, Christ, our Trinitarian God, died for us, you and me. The band can come, that would be great. What does that line in Romans 5 mean? I'll tell you what it means. He, Jesus, entered our dance. He entered our dance. He left his perfect heavenly dance and started revolving around us, you and me. He started circling 
us, you and me. Jesus, the triune God himself, left his position of heavenly glory and beauty, perfect perichoresis, and came into our fallen world to dance. Jesus bent down, he stooped over and shouted out to us while he was bleeding on the cross, take my hand, will you dance with me? That's the joy news of Jesus. He's the win. He paid the price we deserved. Why? So that we could enter his beautiful life-giving dance. How can you say God doesn't love you? That's crazy. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Happy birthday, Jubilee. The countdown begins from today. It's all about Jesus. Let's stand. Yeah, Lord, I thank you. I thank you uh, for these coming weeks ahead. And I pray, Lord God, that that sense of expectation, celebration, jubilee, um, joy comes into each and every one of us and fills our heart. I pray for those who don't know Jesus here in this room. I pray that you fill them with your joy and your love this morning as they go out and contemplate this amazing adventure that I've unpacked this morning, your adventure, your Jubilee, your Isaiah 61 adventure. And I pray, Lord God, over the coming weeks, will we be a people who reach out to the poor, the brokenhearted, the blind, that we will be restorers of broken cities, that we will rise in confidence as priests of the living God, that we will build those ruined cities, Teesside, this nation and the nations. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send us. We ask for your spirit, the sovereign Lord, to be on us. Let's worship.